Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. For our last morning together, we're going to um, we're gonna we're just have some family chaos, as I call it. We're going to just kind of have some, um, some time to just uh, pray with one another. We're going to take communion with our cabins. But before we do, I want to send you home with one final verse. All right? I want to send you home with a verse that's found in Philippians um, chapter 1, verse 27. And this is what it says. This is Paul writing a letter to a group of Christians. Paul's writing a letter to a group of Christians that live in the city of Philippi, and this is what he says to them. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And so Paul, he's not with them, right? He was there, he loves them, and, and now he has to, or he has, he's had to depart. And so they're at home, he's away, and he's writing a letter, similar to one that perhaps I would write to you guys if I was far away. And I say, citizens, I, I wish I was with you right now. I'd love to come visit. Maybe I'll come in, in a few months, I'll stop by on a Wednesday, and I'd love to just have the joy of seeing you face to face again. I'd love the joy of a reunion. But before that ever happens... This is my prayer for you, please. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so here, there's a phrase here. It says, let your manner of life, right? That's that's five words. Everybody say, let your manner of life. Let your manner of life. This is five words in English, but actually, this is really only one word, okay? And so we translate this Greek word using five words, but in reality, it's only one word. And, and the best way to, to maybe explain that word to you is, is this phrase, it's live as a citizen. Ah, yeah, live as a citizen. He uses a word there that says, you are a citizen, therefore conduct yourself as a citizen, he's saying. In light of the fact that you belong to this city, in light of the fact that you are a member of this society, that means there are certain ways that are appropriate for such a person. Make sense? And so even though Philippi wasn't in Italy, they were granted the privilege to be Roman citizens, right? Similar to what maybe Puerto Rico is, right? Puerto Rico is not part of the continental United States, but it's it's a territory, right? Or think of maybe even Hawaii. They were made a state. And so even though they don't touch the continent, they said, whoa, if you live in Hawaii, you are now an American citizen, right? When they joined the union. And so in the same way, Rome, they were continue to, exp- they were, they were uh, expanding their territory. And Philippi was one of those. And so they were very familiar with the concept of citizenship. They prized the fact that they were Roman citizens. And so Paul uses a word that they would have understand. Because you are citizens, therefore live as citizens. In light of the fact that you have this identity and you're part of Rome, act like a Roman. But he uses that same kind of word and he uses it for a different kingdom. He uses it for a different type of citizenship. He says, because you are citizens of heaven, Because you are a group of people that have experienced life with Jesus and you have a new purpose and a new record and a new heart and a new community, in light of these things, therefore, conduct yourself 
as a citizen. Live in light of the gospel. Live in light of the gospel. And so what we do when we go home here, right? This is what we do. We, we, we look at the different elements of the gospel and we say, oh, Jesus has given me a new purpose. Therefore, and I live it out, right? My actions, my lifestyle, my decisions, my thoughts, my words, all of these things are now lived in light of this peace, right? Or maybe you're in another situation, right? And you go, man, I'm really tempted to sin and I just, I have this opportunity. But you go, wait, 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 I gotta remember the gospel. I have a new, I have a new record. Therefore, I'm going to live in light of the fact that I have a new record. New heart. Wait a minute, this doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to live in light of my new heart. I'm going to live in light of the new community. And so Paul is saying, because you have received these things, because you have been made citizens of the kingdom of God, live lives that are worthy of such things. Does that make sense? And so this entire weekend is coming to this point. This entire weekend, the way that we laid it out was because we wanted to send you home understanding the gospel so that you can therefore live out its implications. This is not knowledge for a pop quiz next week. This is not knowledge that you can memorize a list. This is not knowledge that you can show off to your friends and quote a lot of Bible scripture. This is knowledge that must result in action. This is knowledge that has extreme implications because it's rooted in reality. And so students, the call for you as you go back to Vancouver, don't just memorize the gospel, don't just know it, don't just write it on a piece of paper and stuff it away in your notes. Live in light of the gospel. Live in light of the gospel. And then here's what can help us with that, right? Here's what can help us with that. Look at this verse again, right? Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you. I want, to, I want to be able to hear about your conduct. I want to be able to hear about your unity in the body. I want to be able to hear, citizens, that you are living lives worthy of the gospel. And so we see here, just as Paul is writing, there are people that are actually concerned about whether or not they're living it out. And this is where we come to our final thing. We realize that when we come into the gospel, we have a new community. We're not sending you away from here to say, live it out, good luck. There are people in this room, we are that for each other. The family of God, we are actually concerned for one another and saying, dude, I want to see you living in light of the gospel. I want to help you live in light of the gospel. And that's a gift to us. We have a new community. There's a story that some of you may know from the Odyssey. Anybody? Greek mythology, the Odyssey, right? And Odysseus is a captain of a ship. And Odysseus has gone through, it's an epic, right? So he's gone through a long journey and many different battles and and escaping many different dangers. And he's sailing and now he's coming to a point in the journey that he's been warned of by a wiser man. And the man has warned him of a creature known as the siren. Remember the sirens? And the sirens are these mermaid creatures that are offshore, right? And they're beautiful. They're beautiful. They're enchanting. And the only thing more beautiful in this world than the face of a siren is the voice of a siren. And so what these sirens would do, these mermaids, they would do a lot more than 
Hi, sailors, right? They would, what they would do is they would call the sailors and they would enchant them. And, the, and, the, and the, you read the story and it says that, um, it says when they hear the voice and they see the face of the siren, it says that their hearts are stolen from them and they're drawn to the sirens. And in their enchantment, they fail to realize that all around the sirens are lying the bones of sailors that the mermaids have drawn to them and murdered. The sirens would draw sailors in, enchanting them with their voice, enchanting them with their looks, the promise of pleasure, and they would slaughter them. And so sailors would go by, and they're so overwhelmed by the enchantment that they don't even see the bones lying around. They don't even see the warning signs that this is danger that will lead to your death. And so here's the captain, and he's about to lead his sailors through those waters, right? And he says, man, we got to make it. How are we going to do this? And so he takes a wax and he puts it close to the sun and he heats it up and he starts cutting at it. And he starts cutting at it and he takes the wax and he puts it in his sailor's ears, right? But he doesn't put wax in his own ears. And he says, man, all right, I don't have wax in my ears. And so at least you're protected. You won't hear the call of the siren. You won't hear their song, but I need to be protected. So how can I do this? And he says, you know what? Tie me to the mast. Captain, what do you, tie me to the mast. And they go, are you serious? He goes, tie me to the mast. And so they take him and similar to what we did last night, they get the rope and they tie him, hands at his side, and they tie him to the mast. And he says, no matter what I say to you then, no matter what I say to you when I'm under the influence of the sirens, don't let me go. No matter what I say to you, no matter what I sign to you, no matter my frowning or my pouting or my crying, Don't let me go. So they tie him to the mast and they start sailing. And sure enough, the mermaids, they come up and they start calling the sailors. And the Roman, they can't hear anything because they have the wax. But the captain does. And he hears the drawing and all of a sudden he is filled with regret. And he says, no, let me go. No, let me go. I I didn't understand what I was saying there. I, I, I was just, I wasn't thinking clearly. Now I'm thinking clearly. Let me go. We have to get to the mermaids. And the Roman, they don't let him go. They keep sailing. They don't hear the song. They keep going. And eventually the song of the sirens dies out and they're far enough away. And he's back to reality. And he says, thank you. He saved my life. Tonight, I want you to make the ask. As you go, maybe you don't face sirens, but you face things that are also enchanting. You face the voices and the faces of culture that are calling you and drawing you in. And when you're under their influence, little do you realize in the moment that it's actually drawing you to your death. And unless you make the ask, unless you give the rope to other people in this room and you say, tie me to the mast. Don't let me go. In one week's time, I'm going to be under the enchantment of the culture. I'm going to be under the enchantment of sin. I'm going to be back with my friends. They're going to be drawing me and I'm going to feel the drawing and I know myself and I'm probably not strong enough and I'm going to want to go. But when I say that, no matter what I do to you, if I don't return your text messages, if I give you the stiff arm, if I tell you to shut up, if I tell you to go away, if I told you I make a mistake, don't let me go. Tie me to the mast. And luckily for the Philippians, they had a Paul in their life who tied them to the mast. 
And even when Christians wanted to stiff arm him, even when his own converts turned against him and said, Paul, you're so old news, man. You're not even my pastor anymore, bro. We have a new pastor. Paul, I don't even, you know, you're not even that good of a speaker anyway, Paul. Go away. We just, we, we have some new knowledge. And you know what? There's a new guy in town and he's a way better preacher than you. And, and Paul, why do you keep bothering me? And Paul said, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, I tied you to the mask. Get over here. And he pursued them and he pursued them until they had reconciliation. And then they were sorrowful and, there was, and, they, and they reconciled. If you don't have people in your life that you can hand the rope to and say, time into the mast, you're going to succumb. And that's why God in his goodness, when he invites us into the kingdom, in addition to all these things that he gives us, gives us he also gives us a new community. If we had more days at camp, there are still more things we can add to this. Remember the expandable ball? I mean, we didn't exhaust the gospel in four days. I mean, we can, we can expand it two more days. And we can add up here a couple more squares where he gives us a new spirit. He gives us a new identity. There's so many things in the gospel. And friends, we're going to spend the rest of our lives unpacking it. We're going to spend the academy and 6, 7, 8 and Wednesday nights. And every week we're going to unpack it. But we're going to do it together. And we're going to hold each other to it. And we're going to tie each other to the mast. And we're going to say, don't let me go. No matter what I say, no matter what I sign, no matter if I sob, don't let me go. Hold me to this. Hold me to the commitment that I'm making in my moment of sobriety, not in my moment of enchantment. Hold me to this. And so students, here are the next steps for you. As we leave here today, a few next steps that I want us to take. Number one, we talked about last night about baptism. If you're here and you're for the first time saying, you know, I want to I, I follow Jesus, the next step is to get baptized, right? Uh, this morning it came to my attention, you know, a few students asking, so maybe I'll just clarify this now, right? Sam, I got baptized in eighth grade, but then I kind of had a hard year and I really was making some bad decisions, but now I'm back. Should I get rebaptized? No. No. You were baptized. You were brought into the family. Jesus saved you. Just because you have ups and downs, that doesn't mean you have to start over every time, students. That's par for the course. That's the normal course of our Christian life. We're growing. And so I want to make that clear, right? Well, Sam, I, I was baptized when I was two years old, or I was baptized when I was in second grade. I had no idea what I was doing. My friends did it. My parents made me. It meant nothing to me. Should I get rebaptized? If you want to, we'll baptize you. If you want to come forward and say, yeah, I, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing, but I, I want to live for Jesus now, and I want to be obedient to him, then we'll do that. You know, we can talk about it. And it's not just a clear cut line. Let's process. Let's talk about it and see where the evidence of God working in your life is. But if you want to get baptized before you leave today, we'll have some more staffers with a notebook and the pen. Just get your name down, and over the next couple of weeks and even months, you'll sit down with me one-on-one -on -one and Courtney one-on-one, -on -one, and we'll just talk with you, and we'll walk through the next step there. Sound good? All right, next step uh, is share your story. We call it a testimony, which just simply means like it's a, it's a praise report. It's a story of something that God is doing in your life. And so this Wednesday, if you're interested, we're going to be sharing our stories. Not sharing our biographies, okay? It all started when I was four years old. And my mommy said, no, no, no. I mean, we're not sharing our whole story. We're sharing a piece of our story, specifically about what God is doing in our lives right now, okay? And so if you're interested, again, we'll have leaders with a notebook. You can write down that, your name, and, uh, and I'll get in touch with you on Wednesday and, and have you share a part of your story. And then the third next step is you need to make the ask. Don't leave here without handing the rope to someone this weekend. And saying, hey, time me to the mast. Don't let me go. 
And so right now, we're gonna move into a time of response via communion. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. We're gonna get the elements. Ashley's over there. And um, I want you to just take it and, and find a spot around the room. Just family chaos, all right? Find a spot around the room. If you need to move chairs out of the way, do what you have to do. But get your cabin together, sit with them. And as you take communion and pray for one another, just here, here are three things you can look through. What's my next step? Okay, if any of these, what's my next step? And as you make the ask, you're giving the rope to other students. You're giving the rope to your leaders, right? And you're saying, hold me to this because I want to live in light of the gospel. I want to live as citizens worthy of the gospel. Let me pray and then we'll, we'll go and grab the elements. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth and you love us enough to tell us to live out the truth. And so, Father, I pray, God, that, um, that these students would live lives worthy of the gospel. I pray that these students, Lord, would hold one another to this and that they would be um, more than just buddies, Lord. They'd be more than just friends, but they would be spiritual friends. That the thing that they hold in common with each other is their common pursuit of Jesus, so I pray, Lord, that even today you would strengthen and initiate and begin new friendships and, and strengthen existing ones so that we would hold one another to the gospel, Lord. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.